I'm going to hit record just because all of this has probably been fun stuff for B-roll at some point. Oh my gosh. No. Or blooper reels. How about that? Always good for blooper reels. <laughs> You're listening to the Credit Union Leadership Podcast, a podcast that delivers value and offers up insight that'll help your credit union grow. ServiceStar has been consulting with credit unions for over 20 years, growing them in the areas of cultural development, leadership development, and management training. To learn more about what ServiceStar can do for you or your credit union, check them out at servicestarconsulting.com. Taylor Murray had no idea when he met with Mike Larson and recorded, hey, this is good for B-roll. So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to take the parts of the conversation that didn't make the initial podcast and just play it all for you. Enjoy. My name is Mike Lawson, and the company I work for is CU Broadcast. And what do I do? I interview people for a living, and I absolutely love it. All right. Well, I have a, an incredible opportunity for, for those that are not familiar with this gentleman. CU Broadcast is something I came across many years ago at a conference. And I saw this gentleman behind a little booth kind of before a lot of video, but certainly a lot more interviews were taking place in the credit union world. And I just kind of listened. And then I went to his website after the fact, and there's hundreds of videos out there. And so if you don't already know, Mike Lawson is our guest today. Super special guest, because as much as I know Mike, just by watching him, I actually don't think he knows much about me. I'm sorry, but actually don't think we all know a lot about Mike, the guy who's asking the questions behind. So we get to hear a lot about other people through Mike, but not the opportunity to learn about Mike. So I reached out to Mike a couple of weeks back and said, hey, are you open for it? Of course. Say, absolutely. Let's do it. Indeed. So here, here we are. You know, I know enough to be dangerous, <laughs> but I also Me know too. just enough to have some fun. So Mike Lawson, you've been doing this for, for a while. When 2010. Research, but tell me a little about yourself. Uh, let's see. Well, a little about myself. Well, I live in San Diego County. I live in San Diego, California. Uh, gosh, uh, I'm married to a beautiful, wonderful, super funny lady who uh, we have five kids together. We have our own little basketball team. So, and the last two happen to be twins. And that's an adventure in itself right there. But that's that's a whole other episode, Taylor. So we'll have to get into that some other time. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that's me quickly in a nutshell. And, uh, you know, I've you know lived in California, gosh, since the mid 80s. But I bounced around the country a little bit, lived in North Carolina for a while, lived in Texas for a while. But I was really I was born in L.A., Los Angeles and Santa Monica and but moved away from there when I was five to North Carolina, then uh, moved to Texas and then came back to came back uh, to California and lived in San Diego. So I've been here ever since mid 80s. So, yeah, so I've been, we bounced around the country a little bit. So it's good to get uh, that flavor of the of the nation. Those seem like military stops. Are, are you part of a military family? No, I always tell people uh, we were running from the law. My dad was a fugitive and we were just running from the law and we uh, we successfully evaded the authorities for many, many years. No, no, no. My dad just got transferred from job to job and he worked for actually TRW uh, when that was a big really? thing back in the day. Yeah. So he got transferred. Yeah. When we moved from LA to this little town in North Carolina called Boone, North Carolina, 
it was like a reversed culture shock. <laughs> so, but we absolutely loved it because we lived on top of this. We had our own like mountain basically. And uh, we learned to really appreciate those snow days because we had the, we built these little trails through the woods and stuff on our sleds and we learned how to ski there. And so, yeah, so I absolutely love, 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 love North Carolina. That was a blast. So that was a lot of fun. And then we ventured to Texas and absolutely love that too. The nicest people on planet earth in Texas. Oh gosh just love those people. But uh, our hearts were always in Southern California. So we decided to come back uh, my college years. So yeah. And here we are. That's awesome. So you yeah. learn how to make some moonshine. And learn how to make a little moonshine. Yeah, that's there's some. Yeah, my parents could tell you some funny stories in that area, but uh, I can't, unfortunately. <laughs> they knew <laughs> they knew of things that were going on uh, behind the scenes and uh, kind of the, in the backwoods of, of Boone. So yeah, but it's super friendly people, really nice, very accommodating, and yeah, one of my favorite states in the in the nation for sure. Well, for those, uh, Mike's going to be running for governor of uh, North Carolina here soon. Wow. So hey, breaking news. Fine, uh, <laughs> great things to say. So, all right, then uh, my random question for you here is going to be about you've lived in North Carolina, you lived yep. in Texas, and you yep. lived in California. Where would you move if you had to move? You couldn't pick any of those three states. Oh, gosh. Okay. Where would you move? Maybe which state, which country? Oh. Um, I would probably lean toward, because we're a really active family. We love to get out and hike and bike and ski and, you know, uh, do all that type of stuff. So I I would lean toward, in that sense, I would lean toward Colorado because that's the very kind of a, because they they got the skiing, they got the mountain biking, they got the hiking, they got all the stuff that we really enjoy doing out here. They don't have the beach, unfortunately, but that's okay. That's okay. We can always hop on a plane and visit, but uh, yeah. So I I would probably lean toward Colorado, Oregon, maybe, you know, because they got some good mountains there too. So yeah, those are probably two states. If I had to like withdraw North Carolina and maybe Texas. So yeah, but uh, that one. It's full disclosure, you know, could have picked the other ones, but no, there's no surfing, of course, in Colorado. Not, not in Colorado, unless you can find a lake and you can surf behind a boat. You could do some wakeboarding as they call it. Yeah, I could do that. So hey, now maybe now for those also that didn't know about Mike, he was a now was it a, an editor of Surfing Magazine amongst many other surfing. No, magazines. I would love to have been an editor for Surfing Magazine. No, this was in college. One of our one in journal when I was uh, taking my journalism classes, I majored in broadcast journalism. But one of our magazine writing classes, in order to be eligible to get an A in the class, we had to get we had to pitch a story to a major publication and get the story published in that major publication. And so I took uh, and you know, I've been surfing for gosh, 30 years now or something. And I've always gravitated toward that. So, and I got surfer magazine, surfer magazine, when all the magazines were out now, they're all, everything's online, obviously. So I said, so I challenged myself. So I pitched a story to surfing magazine and they loved it. They took it. I wrote it and they published it and I got my A in the class. And so, and so I got to go up to the magazine. I got to meet the editor who was one of my idols in the surfing industry and met with them. And, oh, it was just, I'm getting goosebumps right now. Just thinking about it. So, yeah. So, but uh, to be an editor for that magazine, oh my gosh, that would have been, yeah, that would have been heaven on earth for me. Wow. I didn't realize there was that much passion and then I guess the other simple question, you've been married to Michelle for quite some time and you got five yeah, kids yeah. together. Yep. Is that a pickup line for her? Like, yeah. no, oh my gosh, she could care less about surfing. <laughs> no. So then how'd you meet, how'd you meet her? 
a mutual friend, a mutual friend set us up. It was actually a blind date. And then we talked on the phone a few times. I mean, this sounds like a, you know, match.com interview all of a sudden, but uh, no, yeah, we just met, we went out for a date. And the second I saw her, it's, it's one of those things like, oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> you know, I had to put my eyes back in my head and yeah, she was and still is stunning and gorgeous. But and the other stuff is now she's, she is the funniest person that I know on planet earth. She makes me laugh more than anybody. And so that's the really, really attractive thing about her. And she's a great mom, obviously a wonderful wife. And we just have tons of fun together and yeah, just, uh, yeah, just, it's just a, a great, great match. So yeah. So that's kind of how it all started right there. Yeah. But she could care less about my surfing. Doesn't care at all. As long as I come home uninjured or anything like that. So yeah, that's, or on time. <laughs> so right. sometimes I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm a little late. If the waves are really good, I'm like, gosh, I'll give it another half hour. And then so, but uh, it's all good. It's all good. I'm going to just commend you. That's an awesome thing to say about your wife. One, it's true. You've said it. So I'm not going to say it's wrong, right? She's not even here to, <laughs> to prove it, right? No, but obviously it's something that I think most people, when they look at work and they talk about jobs, you don't often immediately gravitate towards, oh, this is my spouse on the other hand, but I'm sure she's been such an advocate for you and a supporter over the years. And it sounds like it. I mean, yeah. you, so Michelle, if you ever are listening to this, awesome. Congratulations. And <laughs> excited for both of you. And I told I, what is the, what are the old Benjamin Franklin quotes of, you know, uh, what is it? Behind, behind every successful man, there's a supportive wife. Now, of course sexism and all of that aside yeah, but I, yeah. I think that is so true that the spouse has got to be there to support you oh she's definitely the driver in this family for sure you know i'm i feel like i'm the passenger just along for her ride so yeah she's i mean she's one of these people who she has more energy than anybody i she has more energy than all five kids put together that's why she's such a great mom and me included and all our pets and so yeah so i mean i never have a second thought about her capabilities in that area she excels in that area cuz you know just of her creativity and her energy and her giving nature so yeah so yeah she just uh, she excels in many many areas and i'm just uh, i'm lucky enough to be along to, for the ride. And I, I married way above my, my pay grade for sure. <laughs> As they say, right. Yeah. Kicked your coverage. Well, good for you. I'm yeah. looking forward to meeting her someday. Yeah, she's awesome. She's awesome. And then I guess even to, to look back on some of your earlier careers, right. We talked a little bit about some of your other stuff, but yeah. you went to Scimitar. So you were in marketing, yeah. you were in marketing at Scimitar for about 10 years. And of course I was looking at some of your bio, you've worked for some international companies. We're talking Intel, Motorola, I mean, Samsung, some, there's some, some heavy names in there, whether it's for them or indirectly for them. Yeah. Yeah. I worked for um, a PR agency that worked with these companies. So we got to do these like international press tours, so to speak. And we worked closely with Samsung, Kyocera, Intel, all those. We got to obviously tour all their, their factories and stuff. We were heavily into the semiconductor industry and uh, that was just really, really fascinating um, yeah, I just, I never knew the intricacies and the science behind all this stuff and all the, oh my gosh, all the corporate secrets that you can't say or anything. Cause there's literally millions, if not billions of dollars at stake. If some of these processes and procedures get out there to a competitor, it's, it's a pretty fascinating industry. You think, oh, semiconductor yeah, it's about as dry as, 
you know, uh, you know, burnt toast, but it's incredibly fascinating. So yeah, I got the privilege to uh, work with many of those companies. It's yeah, it's really, really fascinating industry. Yeah, that's one of those is so far over my head, right? If it's yeah, like it's way, charges, I mean, still, I'm fine with it. Still over my head, still over my head, but it's refreshing to come back to an industry like the credit unions and where you can talk to people and they will tell you everything. I mean, credit unions are so eager to share their story that it's, it's really refreshing to like interview people. And that's probably a segue into our interviews. But in the semiconductor industry, it was really hard to get information from people because there were so many like, NDAs and secrets and things like that, that people didn't want to reveal, you know, again, the processes and procedures of how things worked and stuff like that, just because of, yeah, just because of the prior proprietary technology and things like that. So it was really hard to get people to, to share and tell their stories of what works and what doesn't work and things like that. So that was kind of the only, maybe the only downside of working in that industry. It was like pulling teeth, trying to get a story written or an interview done. So, but, you know, coming back to the credit industry is so refreshing because everybody is so eager to share and you started i guess missing that to us to a point of coming oh, yeah. back right you, you know at scimitar for a while left and talked to the big heavy hitters uh dropping mobile phones on us uh years ago mm-hmm. and now you started not see a broadcast right you started dml communications dml was, communications was first yeah so 20 yeah, years was, ago right yeah 20 yeah 2002 i think it was yeah somewhere in there so congratulations. Thank 20 you. years is a huge accomplishment. Yeah, no doubt. I try not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to think about what DML stands for, because I'm assuming, oh, is Mike not your first name? It is my first name. Well, there's, it's kind of a, it's actually kind of a joke. When I was working at this PR agency, every Monday morning, we would all gather around all the account executives and stuff would gather around the big table and we would do kind of a, a kind of a, a wrap up or, or a kind of a, a kickoff to the week uh, status of, you know, what projects were in the works and things like that. And so everyone had their Excel sheets and things like that. And so when it came to my turn to talk and, and share what, you know, projects were in the hopper and where they were in the status and stuff. I completely forgot about one of these projects and just, and I was really angry at myself. And I said kind of under my breath, and I'm sorry if any kids are watching, but I just said to myself, Mike Lawson. And I was really angry at myself because I'm, I really try to keep on top of things and the whole room busted up. And I'm like, what the heck? And they said, that was the funniest thing we've ever heard. And it was like Mike Lawson. So I became DML around the office. So one of the great things that happens when you're in an office space or an office environment, things like that take on a life of their own. So that's that's kind of the goofy story. story behind that. And so when I started, so when I left the agency and started my, my own agency, my own marketing agency, I just said, you know what, DML kind of sticks, you know? So I just went with that and just kind of as a, as a goofy kind of tongue in cheek type of thing. And, and everybody who knew me then just kind of laughed about it. And, but you know, 20 years later, here we are. So that's the story behind the story as goofy and as, as uh, yeah, just goofy as that is. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I kind of like to have a fun with things from now, from time to time. So yeah. I am promise you, I'm going to walk by your next CU broadcast at your next <laughs> event. I'm going to say, I don't, I don't censor ourselves, right? But Mike Lawson, and yeah, it's or, or if you want to do a company, darn it, Mike Lawson, you could say that. I'm, yeah, we'll, um, we'll, we'll get we'll the bleep them out. Yeah. But I, 
I try not to swear too much, but the, that one just came out at that time because I was really angry at myself for not doing my job. So I was really mad. So yeah. Hey, but <laughs> a funny sucks. story nonetheless. So yeah. So that's the that's story awesome. behind that. Yeah. As weird. Old, how in the world have you raised five kids? That's the other question I have. So I thought oh, well, maybe uh, your name actually wasn't Mike, but it, it is. It is. It is. Uh, no, kids, no, the, the five kids think that's again, I'm I'm taking that and putting it on my wife because again, she has more energy than anybody I know. And she's again, fantastic uh, mom. She's just so creative and uh, she was a teacher for a while. So she's got that background. So she, she knows how to take up, uh, you know, she knows how to get the kids to be creative in their spare time. Let's put it that way. (laughs) So, and she is uber organized. And so she's got that, which I'm still trying to, uh, trying to get my, my head around because I'm, I have organization, uh, organization. Yeah. Uh, de- defaults or faults or something like that, whatever the word terminology would be. Yeah. So I'm trying to live up to, to that. Uh, so yeah. So, What's but, the she, creativity yeah, she, her. but yeah, well, well, I, mean, I think we make up a great team. You know, she has her strengths. I have my strengths. And so we just, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, definitely a team effort. So for sure. And uh, you just kind of lay that foundation. And then when they get to the, to the certain age, then they, they can take off and do their own thing, which the top three are right now. Hey, I just said the last two are twins. I think actually Jeff Bullock, a good friend of mine and and friend of yours is the one who mentioned that you had twins to me. And so now we're here, you've done this now for 12 years with CU broadcast Yep, about right. Give or take. Yep. And for those that don't, I guess this is my plug to those even that are listening that aren't familiar with CU Broadcast, there's a, it's a massive collection, not just of informative videos or interviews and just online, just conversations. I think it's really clever how you've put that together because there's nothing oh, out you. there like that. So A, kudos, you've done it for 12 years, but do you know how many are on there? Man, you have a lot of videos. Yeah. Somebody asked me, so I decided to go count one day and uh, it's over 5,500 videos we've done over the last 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> I really fell on my chair too. Unions. What's that? You have more videos than credit unions that are left, unfortunately. Oh yeah. Wow. I didn't think of that either. Yeah. So yeah, we've done quite a few. There's a lot of content out there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, hey, that, that hard drive, I'm sure is backed up. <laughs> yeah. A little, oh yeah. We have, I have multiple external hard drives all stacked in a closet with all the videos and stuff. Yeah. We got a lot, got a lot out there, but it's so much fun. I don't even, I try not to think about the numbers and just do one interview at a time and focus on one guest at a time and just have fun with it and, and try to get some, try to to be the messenger and get some great valuable information out there that people can use in a practical sense. And you've told me that, but maybe it's helpful for the others of why you started that, of why why you started CU Broadcast. Yeah. Um, well, I'm always a, been a journalist at heart. And uh, again, I have a broadcast journalism degree from San Diego State University and always wanted to put that to work. And, uh, and then I, I kind of put my scimitar experience together, the marketing part of it. And I have, you know, I've written for a number of local publications here in San Diego and had that background and worked for a radio TV network as well as one of my first jobs out of college. So that was really exciting. But um, fast forward, you know, putting my, you know, all my marketing sense together and and still relying on my journalism uh, skills and stuff. I, I found that there wasn't much in the video department in the industry. Nobody was really doing, there was a few people doing, you know, video, 
from time to time, but nobody was really doing it in a journalistic sense. And so I kind of stumbled upon this app that worked with Skype that made this kind of the, the split screen format that you see on all the Zoom calls now. And this is, again, this is back in, I first started researching it back in 2008, 2009. And uh, so, and I tested it and tested it with family and friends. And finally I said, you know what, let's, let's try this and see if it works, you know? So I just, I just got together got a few friends together in the industry and said, Hey, do you want to, I'm starting this new show and it's video based and it's online. So I don't have to like fly to your town and invade your office with cameras and lights and mics and things like that, where you can sit in your office and I can sit in my office, wherever that is on planet earth. And we can do an interview that's 10 minutes and then you're done and you're off and you're, you know, off to the rest of your day. And they were like, okay, sure. So we tried it and it worked. And, but uh, the, w- the one challenge at that time, back in 2009, 2010, the, uh, the bandwidth, <laughs> the online bandwidth wasn't quite what it is today. So I would say probably 50% of our calls worked at the time. Many of them dropped off in the middle or got mangled or pixelated or whatever terminology you want to use. So, so that was a challenge in the beginning. But as we know today, that that's usually not uh, not an issue. So yeah, so we've gotten over that hurdle. And uh, yeah, so yeah, so just uh, just kind of, I think the basic question is like, let's try this and see if it works. And you know, here we are, twelve years later. Yeah, clearly it's stuck. And yeah, way to power through some of the old technology to oh my what we have today. Yeah. I'm sure there were some funny stories, but oh. maybe I'll, I'll turn to guests. I mean, 5,500 interviews and there could be multiple people on there or yeah. videos. Most memorable guest. Is there one that stands out? Well, I would say, well, gosh, and it why? just came to my mind. Well, there's a bunch, kind of like picking your favorite child. <laughs> it's kind of really None, impossible. Right? But so what's that? Neither of them? <laughs> no, well, kids, there's kids. some that come to mind that kind of stand out. Like Bill Cheney, when he was when he was uh, head of Q, when he was running CUNA there for a while, just in the patients department early on, I interviewed him and the call kept dropping. This is, you know, back when I first started and the technology wasn't, or the bandwidth wasn't that great. So we probably had to reconnect probably half a dozen times just to get a 15 minute interview done and God bless him. Oh my gosh. He has the patience of a saint and to know his position in the industry. And uh, we finally got the interview done and he was just as gracious as ever, even on the sixth take (laughs) as it was on the first or the second. So that's one that stood out. One that really kind of stood out for me early on was, was Fred Becker. Uh, he was the former president and CEO of NAFQ before Dan Berger. And, uh, and for years when I was, when I was at Scimitar, I would, we'd all read the industry publications and, and you'd have all these, uh, you know, very powerful people being quoted in these stories and stuff. And Fred Becker was one of them. And I always got the impression that he was, you know, kind of a, a very serious guy. Obviously he took his job seriously. And, but I thought, you know, gosh, he just seems like a really kind of a hard nosed kind of serious guy. So when I started CU Broadcast, one of my goals was to get him on the show. Because one of my goals with CU Broadcast was not only to deliver these great messages to the industry, but to also capture the personalities of the people that would come on. So so I had finally got Fred on the show and I was really, really nervous. So I went, oh my gosh, this guy is going to eat me alive. <laughs> so, but oh my gosh, you know, two questions in, he became, we became like best friends. He was like the nicest, funniest guy you could ever meet. And we just became fast friends. And 
And I thought to myself, this is the, that's the beauty of doing kind of like a video or even an audio type of interview that you just never know how people are until you get them on the show. And, and it was just really cool that discovery. And I've, and that's happened a number of times where I've been really nervous about having somebody coming on the show and they completely surprised me and they turned out to be a blast total fun, just total gracious and you know, outgoing and great message, all that good stuff. And just humble and all that. Yeah. All the, all the, all those buzzwords and stuff. So yeah, that's the, that's the beauty of the show that I think as well is that you kind of never know what you're going to get until they come on and like, Oh my gosh, what a great surprise. This is awesome. So yeah. So Fred really stands out a lot. So, so I've always remembered that. It, yeah, I think even for myself that resonates because I almost assume there's a persona of someone out there, whether you've seen or read or interacted from a distance. And there's a couple out there that not to your scale, but you know, you just don't realize it. They put their pants on or dress on, right? One arm, one leg we're at a time. People. And we're all real people, right? Yeah. People yeah. And people. that's the beauty. And that's what the thing that we discovered, you know, during the pandemic when we all had to do the Zoom calls is that, oh my gosh, we're all human. We all have homes and we all have you know, things that happen in the background with pets or kids or something like that. We're, we all kind of have the same type of things going on. You know, sometimes there's pandemonium going on in the background, you know? So that's the, that's kind of the beauty of the video that I, that I captured. And that's what I love about it. It makes us all human. The transparency, I think too. Yeah. Just, the, we're real people. Let's just not put these masks on all too often. So. Agreed. Agreed. I hope you enjoyed the rest of the story of Mike Larson of CU Answers. We had just so much fun having him on the show, and uh, Taylor did a great job, bang-up job of producing. So thanks again, Taylor. Thanks again, Mike Larson. We'll see you on the next Credit Ian Leadership Podcast.